This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. It's every parent's nightmare. Your kid is there, and then all of a sudden they're not there. Police are looking for this boy, 12-year-old Johnny Gosh. Up to 100 volunteers turned out for today's search effort. Two years after Johnny Gosh, another paper boy vanished. What it's doing is creating a climate of fear. Pictures were on milk cartons, billboards, posters, grocery sacks, even on the sides of truck convoys rolling cross-country. A whole community was so laser-focused on where's Johnny. It was about as true of a mystery as we could ever dream of. Pretty typical Midwest city. I moved here right out of college. Dave Buzik, TV8 News. At that time, it was a pretty sleepy place. The best toe-tapping music in the Midwest. That's how the Newton Optimus Club built this year's Bluegrass Festival. We're in the middle of some of the richest farmland in the world. Our neighborhood in Des Moines was just a quiet neighborhood. Families were living there. People went to work. Their kids played together. West Des Moines was about the most typical suburb that you could ever find. It was once or twice described as leave it to beaver country, meaning it just was the all around, you know, place that you expect to see kids playing and, you know, being safe. There's a phrase called Iowa nice. I think it was a very welcoming community, just not a lot of conflict. Johnny Gosh was a typical uh, 12-year-old kid. Johnny was a very kind, thoughtful young man. If he had a pack of gum, he would give everybody a slice of gum and then look at it, oh, there's no more for me. Johnny, when he got a little older, right after school, he would be going to the newspaper drop during the week because the Des Moines Register had an evening paper. And so we would go pick up those papers. The Register at the time was one of the best newspapers in the country. It was locally owned. It had a number of Pulitzer Prizes and uh, was very well trusted. Johnny's older brother had that paper route when he was Johnny's age. Then the paper route was given to Johnny. Labor Day. Speedboating, sailing, water skiing, even walking on a nature trail or two. Labor Day is always kind of like, yeah, well, we want to hang on to summer for as long as we can. But it's a it's a good long three-day weekend, uh, so people would be out uh, boating. That weekend, our older son played in a football game. 
So we went to the football game. Johnny sat with us up in the bleachers. Then he asked if he could go down to the um, little food tent they had and get something to eat. And I said, yes, you can. And then you come back up here and sit with us. He got the bite of food and then he vanished. He wasn't there. As a parent of three kids, uh, we all have that horrible feeling of the kid is there one minute and gone the next. And you can't help but completely panic. I thought something happened to him right away. A parent would. All, all of a sudden your kid is there and then they're not there. So his dad went down immediately. And I was nervously sitting up there and then I saw him motion like this. And he was looking into the bleachers and I, okay, he's found him. He came back up and I said, what were you doing? We've had it happen. It's very scary. 999 times out of a thousand, it's nothing. The kid just wandered off. And, you know, we used to have a rule that it's like, um, if, if I can't see you, you're in trouble. Several people called because they didn't get their newspapers. When I got the first call, I thought he was just running late, delivering the papers that maybe he had overslept. I jumped out of bed and ran down to Johnny's room and it was empty. His dad immediately got ready and ran to find him. While they were gone, I was going to start making preparations for breakfast because we were gonna to go to the lake after the paper out and breakfast. And all of a sudden I stopped and I knew, I knew something had happened to our boy. I don't know why I felt that way, mother's intuition, but I knew it wasn't just late papers because he overslept. And his dad burst in the house and he just screamed, call the police right away. Johnny's wagon is full of papers up on the corner and he is gone. Those days I was the Sunday evening anchor, so my shift didn't start until two o'clock. We were driving out to church on that Sunday morning and a block from church, I noticed that there were some police cars, some officers standing around, some neighbors standing around. I w wandered over, um, asked the police officer what's going on. And just very nonchalantly he said, ah, the paper boy didn't come home uh, after his route. We're not sure what's going on, but uh, we, we haven't found him. Police are looking for this boy, 12-year-old Johnny Gosh. He's a son of Mr. and Mrs. John Gosh of 1004 45th Street in West Des Moines. The boy was last seen this morning about 6 o'clock as he began his paper route in front of Valley United Methodist Church at 42nd and Ashworth. I remember very distinctly looking up the Gosh family on Marquardt uh, in the phone book and uh, called them up. Noreen Gosh answered and asked if we could come out and do an interview with her. That morning, everything was happening so fast. Witnesses say a car pulled up to the boy, asked directions, and drove away. There's another neighbor who said that he looked out the window at the corner of 42nd and Marquardt and that he saw a car take off, almost like peel out. 
uh, onto 42nd Street from Marquardt, maybe a mile uh, from, from the interstate highway. Bob Rushing told TV8 News today the two witnesses gave conflicting descriptions of the man. The fact that there were no good, solid eyewitnesses just added to the complication of the case, added to the mystery. A policeman showed up at our house. The next step was filling out the missing persons report. His comment to me was, well, did your kid ever run away before? He just wouldn't do that. He's a very responsible young man. And he was then classified as a runaway. I was absolutely in shock. Is this still being treated as a missing persons case at this point? Uh, yes, it is. You don't think it's a kidnapping, though, do you? I'm not ruling out anything, but I have nothing to indicate that it was a kidnapping. Police, I think that their initial reaction was, it's a 12-year-old kid, it's summer, school's about to start, who knows, he probably ran away. For the third straight day, volunteers turned out to look for clues to the boy's disappearance. It's just gripping every single minute of the day, worrying about his safety whether he's warm, whether he's had food, all of these things that um, when days go by, you just wonder if he's even going to come back. The next day, they sent over two FBI agents, and they said, now, this is just a courtesy call. We are not going to enter the case because you have failed to prove your son's life is in danger really was just this spiraling, escalating uh, miscommunication and difficulty between the family, primarily Noreen, and the police department, which wasn't used to being told by a suburban mom how they should conduct their business. Chief Cooney at the time was a old school guy uh, who'd come up through the ranks, um, not the most communicative uh, guy in the world, Kind of a chain smoker, just a, a tough guy. He had tattoos on his arm before tattoos were cool. In yesterday's Des Moines Register, Cooney was quoted as saying, I don't really give a damn what Noreen Gosh has to say. I'm interested in the boy and what we can do to find him. Don't shoot The Gosh's say there has now been a total, complete break with the West Des Moines Police Department. They say the department's lack of experience in child abduction cases has resulted in uncooperativeness and a failure to do many basic things that were needed. It was the absolute worst time of my entire life to feel so helpless that I couldn't help my own son. I, I have never in my life been in a predicament such as this. No parent ever expects your child to be kidnapped. But the biggest shock of all was that the law enforcement in West Des Moines, Iowa, turned their back on us. And I said to Johnny's dad, we've got to hire a private investigator. These composite drawings are the Gosh's latest hope in trying to find their son. They then had these private composites drawn up in an effort to generate some leads in the case. We'll start fanning out the trick here. As the fourth day of John's disappearance dragged on, the suggestions of psychics are about all the Goshes had to go on and prompted the family to issue this public appeal. I would like to speak directly to the people who are holding our son. Contact us, please. 
will meet your demands. After each big interview, there would be information that would come in that our detectives could work on. The truck driver supposedly told the Goshes he picked the boy up on Interstate 80 a day after his disappearance and drove him to the Atlantic area where the boy disappeared. You'd get your hopes up, like, this is it, this is it, I can feel it, what's going to happen, we're going to find him. They are convinced he has indeed been with Johnny. As officers questioned the man, things started to get a little crazy. And he admitted he made the whole thing up. So he never picked up Johnny Gosh? No. His motivation? Uh, he claimed, again, being very cooperative, they felt sorry for the family, like we all do, and uh, wanted to relieve their anxiety. And then you'd be so down because it didn't work out. The young teen has been missing almost two months now when he didn't return from a Sunday morning paper route. I think my reaction was the same as everybody's, and that is, what happened to this kid? It clearly is not a runaway. The whole community was so laser-focused on where's Johnny, and nobody knew the answer. It was about as true of a mystery as you could ever dream of. I would like to find something so we can have a clue of some kind. Uh, I think everybody wants to know what happened. It was just frustrating because there was never any solid information to go on, and yet you were hearing all these things starting to come out of the woodwork from different places. It was very, very hard to tell what was real and what was complete BS. The biggest break, Nebraska prison inmate Paul Benassi, who said he was part of a child pornography ring that kidnapped Gosh from that suburban street. Mike jumped out of the car, and all I remember was that they, Mike followed the kid in, and I just put this stuff over his face like I was told to. I was at the prison. I met with him, visited with him. Uh, law enforcement did not go and visit with him. When the Benassi story broke, West Des Moines police didn't believe in it enough to interview him. We weren't blind. We weren't stupid people. But you have to, in some ways, check out certain things as far as you can go with it. Because the thing that you might just say, oh, there's nothing to that, might be the answer. You never know. Our mode of thinking for Thanksgiving Day in this house will not be a negative tone. In, I mean, we'll miss Johnny. There's an empty chair. And any time the family circle cannot be together, it's, it's bad. It's sad. But we are going to remain thankful because we have not had a dead body to contend with. Steve Oswald is at the scene with a live report. Steve? Well, County law enforcement officials were brought here about 1 o'clock this afternoon after that young hunter stumbled onto the skeletal remains in this wooded ravine. One possibility being checked is that the remains might be that of missing paperboy Johnny Gosh. Those were some of the longest days that I ever put in. They would find a dead body anywhere USA, and if it was a young youth about Johnny's age, there would be the forensic testing it through an autopsy to try and determine if it was him or not. Sometimes I was sent photographs of an arm or a leg, and did I know for sure if that was Johnny's arm or leg? And people said, 
you're kidding. You had to look at pictures like that? I said, yes, I did. It made me physically sick. I think Noreen very accurately assessed that if there was any hope of finding Johnny, she was going to have to keep this case alive and in the media. Because who knows, somebody might see it somewhere else in the country, see Johnny, recognize him, and, and make a call. That's number one. Then number two, the media attention kept pressure on the authorities to not push the case off to the side, to keep it as an active, open investigation. Nearly every day, the Goshers are somewhere trying to raise money, $5,000 to $10,000 a month, to pay the private detective searching for their son. We took everything out of our savings to get the investigators started. I thought, how did it get to this point? There had been a call that came in and a lady was just very um, abusive verbally. And I had some tears running down my cheeks and our private investigator walked in and he said, they haven't forgotten your son yet. So call that a win. And at that moment, that's what I needed. Did Noreen wear out her welcome with some people? Probably so. Although the West Des Moines City Council voted unanimously to contribute $10,000 to the reward, the move was not without some dissent. We had a problem in the past as far as our uh, talk we give on strangers. Uh, a lot of parents felt that we were scaring their children. Yes, it did feel that there was a, a good percentage of uh, public opinion that was against. What it's doing is creating climate of fear. People don't want to hear that this is going on. They're going to throw verbal rocks at you. If the community vision of this being a safe place to raise kids was teetering a little bit after Johnny's disappearance, that sense of security toppled over. When Eugene Martin disappeared, Almost two years to the day later, it was like, what is going on? How can this happen again? What happened? Where is he? Two years after Johnny Gosh, another paper boy vanished. In the early morning hours of August 12, 1984, Eugene Martin disappeared while preparing to deliver newspapers on Des Moines' southwest side. Law enforcement officials launched an intensive investigation to find the boy whom they believed was abducted. I just think somebody took him and I just wish they would let him come home. All we're going to do now is just stay around here and hope we can hear from him and get him home. And local radio stations are running public service announcements warning residents of what could happen. Johnny Gosh, Eugene Martin, will your child be next? the residents say the incident has shaken up the entire area. We watch our kids like hawks. We play together, always with adult supervision, never alone. You know, our kids are supposed to be able to ride their bikes on the street without having to worry about strangers approaching them. People all of a sudden realized, well, Noreen was telling the truth all along. 
John and Noreen Gosh say they still do not have the cooperation they need from law enforcement. Eugene Martin's parents have also complained about law enforcement. But his father and stepmother, Don and Sue Martin, criticized the investigation, saying police have not done near enough to find Eugene. As far as we're concerned, the boy's still alive out there, and we are going to find him eventually. We never forgot Johnny. We worked for everything possible to save him, and he may still be alive. We don't know, but we didn't just sit down and say, well, there's nothing we can do. We found something to do. There was clearly a problem in the community with the police response. And so the legislature very quickly passed and uh, Governor Branstad signed into law uh, with Noreen standing by his side. It was the Johnny Gosh law that as soon as a kid is reported missing, police will immediately start treating it as a missing person's case and get on it and follow uh, what leads that they can. Gosh supporters are lobbying for further improvements. Part of a state child protection bill being considered would establish a statewide clearinghouse for information on kids who disappear. The faces of the children that are missing now, they're not getting out, except for Johnny Gosh and Eugene Martin, because of what their parents have done. Not too long ago, you couldn't go anywhere without seeing or hearing about the two missing Des Moines newspaper boys. Their pictures were on milk cartons, billboards, posters, grocery sacks, even on the sides of truck convoys rolling cross-country. Hotlines were established, rewards offered, and funds started to pay for expenses. President Reagan even called to offer help. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children in Washington, D.C. was established about a year ago. By federal law, any leads it receives about missing youngsters are given directly to law enforcement agencies. Johnny's case was often called the watershed case because so much legislation was passed federally. Johnny Gosh has come to represent hundreds of missing children nationwide. His parents helped lobby for the Missing Children's Act, signed this afternoon by President Reagan. In fact, Johnny's picture was prominently displayed near the president during today's ceremony. Doreen has really made herself available to other families in Iowa and elsewhere who have gone through similar things. An emotional Peggy Emery tells Noreen Gosh she now understands the nightmare. I'm so sorry. It turns me inside out when I hear of these cases. You know, you can't heal or fix everything, but you can find a slot that you know you can make a difference. The impact has touched the lives of, of hundreds of thousands of American families. You pay it forward. You help the next family and the next and the next. When I think of that day, I always remember that, that red wagon sitting on the corner that, that John was last seen at, uh, full of papers and his newspaper bag sitting alongside it and that wagon just looks so lonely and one of those situations where you wish that an inanimate object could could tell a story last february the personally because i was the first reporter on the scene through pure happenstance of going to church a block away i just always cared about this case and have always hoped for some resolution uh, for the family to be able to figure this out Johnny Gosh and Eugene Martin are still missing, but their families can take some small comfort in knowing that their cases were the driving force behind what has turned into a more organized national effort to locate missing children, and more important, to prevent it from happening to others. It didn't bring Johnny back, but it helped somebody else. 
And I think about him a lot, miss him, wonder what he would have developed and became as an adult. Because for me, he he's always been 12 years old because that's how old he was when he was taken. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.